Welcome into another edition of the IDS Football Podcast alongside Will Coleman and Caleb Goffman. I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Indiana, Michigan State went right down to the wire till basically the last play of the game, but you know where we have to start this podcast. I do. We're, we're talking... Where? We're talking yes. press box and we're talking press box food. Yes. All right, is this my time to shine? Yes, this is your time to shine, Caleb. We have some grievances here with Michigan State. Just This is just like Seinfeld. We're airing grievances out here. Festivals for the rest of us. Uh, two meal vouchers. That's all they give us. They're practically making me pay for food, or else I go hungry, and I went hungry. But two meal vouchers is not cool. And also, those hot dogs, not very good. They're no, like a no, weird... they weren't great. They're like a weird beige color, and kind of creeped me out. I only had one. To, I, to be fair... The pizza they gave us for free after the game. I was didn't get any of that. One very. Where were you? Yeah, I didn't get any either. I, I what do you out. mean? Okay, pizza at the end of the game. Go ahead. Yeah, it was one surprising because they had made it very clear that the meal vouchers were all the free food we were going to get. Two. That also was one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way. Like, sure, just give me the meal vouchers, but I don't need like three emails from their <laughs> SID staff being like, remember, this is all you get. You get two meals. And they're not they, even meals, it's two items. Yes. They did have free drinks, though, which was good. Oh, that like yeah. $2 they, I, I they didn't the get from me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they had the free pizza and the free popcorn after the game, which uh, the popcorn was fun just because Cam took the entire bag. Yeah, that didn't last too long. Yeah. <laughs> But the pizza was one free and a nice surprise, and two, it was like Papa John's, but it tasted better than Papa John's. All right, so it I'm a little weird. upset yeah. I didn't get any of this. I don't, I I don't got... know how you missed that. Where was it? It was on the Michigan State side of the press Well, box. why was I walking all the way over there? Because it, when you walked out of the elevator, um, I think it was Osterman peeked to the left, and he said, oh, hey, there's pizza, and we all followed him to oh. get the free pizza. Well, I was in the zone. I was like, boom. Too dedicated to Taiwan Yeah, how right about freshman phenom Taiwan Mullen <laughs> on an empty stomach because they only got two meal vouchers. Also, but I will give them the soft pretzels. Very good. I was a fan. Yeah, especially with the cheese. The cheese yes. was good. Made me really thirsty, I, but I free was, drinks. I was worried they were going to make us pay for nacho cheese sauce, hmm. but they did not. Honestly, I was surprised they didn't. I was a little upset. I was also. Like I don't even get a bag of chips to munch on or any snacks yeah, during no the game. Snacks. You have to yeah, pay K- for candy. Caleb's the big uh, cookie muncher. Yeah, I. Oh, what game was it? UConn. I went. It was UConn. I went through like probably a dozen cookies yes. over the course of that game. Reckless. Matt Cohen was very shocked. It, it was it was an experience. Well, to be fair, I wasn't a huge fan of the lunch that day, which was free, so I won't complain about it. But the cookies were delicious. Uh, I like how you sneak that in there. The uh, the Cavalman sandwich, the lunch that day wasn't good, <laughs> but the cookies were nice. Got to endear myself to the SID squad. Yes, because you definitely didn't take a shot at JD last week. JD, uh, <laughs> I love you. I, I definitely don't have that audio for further use at another time. JD, just remember, if you're listening to this for some reason, I love you, and please give me access to all the players I request. Thank you. <laughs> Indiana, though. Oh, God, that sounded terrible. They lost to Michigan State 40-31 to 31 on Saturday. We were there in East Lansing. Of course, the, the, the game was closer than what the final score indicated, but what I want to know is everyone knows what happens. What happened? The offense was great. The defense was bad other than Mullen. And Indiana probably should have won the game, but they made these simple, dumb mental mistakes. 
But what I want to know is, was this a typical IU collapse of what we've seen for 10, 15, 20, 30, 80 years? Or was Saturday in East Lansing an actual sign of the program? Well, you like maybe they might be ready to hashtag breakthrough. Yeah, I don't think this was a typical collapse per se for IU for one of two reasons. One, it felt different. I mean, they were just they played a competitive game from start to finish. Um, they had a lead in the fourth quarter, and even when Michigan State responded to regain the lead, it's not like IU gave up like they have in years past against teams like Michigan State. And I I think that's the big difference because yes. The penalty on the Watt Fillier punt return was very on-brand IU football. Yes, the Taiwan Mullen hold on a play that where they recovered a fumble and that erased that, and Michigan State ends up getting a field goal out of that drive, was on-brand IU. Yes, dropping a pick six on the first drive of the game was very on-brand IU. And yes, the way they butchered the last two minutes of the first half is very on-brand IU. Yet, even after all that happened, they were down seven with three minutes and 12 seconds left, and Michael Penix led them on a touchdown tying drive. Yes, it was aided by penalties. Yes, it was aided by penalties. Yes. Somebody say, like, the offense was too good in that moment. They scored too quickly. Yeah, they could have struggled a little bit, which would have been To be honest, that's, them. that's also kind of on brand. <laughs> During the Kevin Wilson era, <laughs> the offense scoring too soon, and then the deep, and then Clock man. Because yeah. like, I was sitting next to Jack uh, at the game. We scored, uh, IU scored that touchdown, and Jack just goes, oh no, there's way too yeah. much time on yep. this clock that right now. That was everyone's there first was thought. 120 seconds left on the clock. There was no confidence that they were going to get a stop. <laughs> Although they were at least would have helped. How long was that drive? Was They scored. They, they got moved the ball very it quickly. Plays. The, it was six plays until the field goal, so they were like down there in four plays. The IU drive? No. Drive, oh, um, Michigan, Michigan State. The last drive? Yeah. Oh, two, it, plays. It took, yeah two, two, two plays. Two plays. Two plays. Two plays. One yard line. Two plays into the knee. And then the knee, yeah. That that's also very on brand for I. I would yeah. have thought they maybe would have gotten them to was, a third down and then let Michigan State uh, convert in a weird that. Way, it was very much a Kevin Wilson era type game. A lot of offense, not much defense. Which has to pain Tom Allen. Just, yeah, it really just, does because this defense, other than Taiwan Mullen, there's no way of getting around it. This is a bad defense. Brian Lewerke's not good, and he absolutely torched. The IU secondary all day. He threw for 300 yards and ran for 78 more. Yeah, is he in he's any way doing, a running threat? He has uh, over 1,000 yards career rushing, but he's like a four-year starter. So that's, that's roughly f- 250 yards, 300 yards a year. And there were times he was wide, like the last drive that they got down yeah, the field. They, they they were, he was wide open on some bootlegs or just yeah, the, IU would not push and collapse the pocket, and he was yeah. just like... Michigan oh. State didn't mix in the quarterback keeper as a feature of the offense until the fourth quarter, and Indiana did not adjust to that. After the first time they did it, which was on the drive where they ended up retaking the lead after the failure interception, he that uh, you need to realize, okay, he's going to do that. We need to be able to keep a guy on him to keep him away from that. But instead, we saw it, I think, three or four times throughout the fourth quarter him just pull the ball out and there be nothing but green grass in front of him. That's mm-hmm. unacceptable. It really is. And it's not like he was making great throws or you had to stay in coverage and tight the whole time. 
Like, yes, he had three for 300 yards and three touchdowns, but he was 18 for 36, which is about 16 change yards per completion, which is good, but that 18 completion should not get you 300 yards. Exactly. In a, in a Big Ten game. Where Michael Penix, on the other hand, completes 33 of 42 for 286 and three touchdowns, while yeah, also Mich- completing Michigan, 20 straight. Yeah. So Yeah, Michigan State averaged over... 16 and a half yards per completion. Yeah. As you said, that's uh, not, not great. Not a good yeah. rate for IU. Yeah, and it just goes back to how it, it's been interesting. How, what, what, what do you want to say, Caleb? Just seeing those that he threw for three touchdowns reminds me of Brian Fitzgerald was the cornerback in coverage on all three of those touchdowns. I'd just like yeah. to point that out. There, yeah. Besides Tywan Mullen, there was no such thing as coverage. And that's only because Tywan Mullen was on Stewart for the majority of the game. And Stewart still put up over 100 yards. He he had um, 117 and two touchdowns. Yeah, Michigan State had eight passing chunk plays in the game. Let's see, one... One of them was against... Only one of them was against Ryan Fitzgerald, actually. Raheem Lane was a big culprit. He had two of them. Ball had had a. Mm-hmm. It looks like two of them. Chad Marcelino. Jalen yeah. Williams was he in there at all? Yeah, Jalen Williams had the last one. Okay. Which was the play where Mullen was trying to go out and guard Daryl Stewart, and they just ran into each other. And they didn't run into each other. Williams had already lined up up to uh, guard a man, man to man. No, oh, I'm the, first, on the, wrong the play. first play of the last drive. Yes, I'm thinking of the wrong play. And the slot receiver was left wide open, and Mullen didn't have time to get have Williams go switch with him. He just had to go cover the slot receiver. Lewerke, being a senior, while he's not that good of a quarterback, is able to recognize the mismatch and took advantage of it for a 30-yard gain. Fitzgerald actually had two of those chunk plays because one of them was uh, was was uh, one of the touchdowns to Daryl Stewart. <laughs> yeah. But, it was, yeah, and that was one right after Mullen tips two passes in the end zone, yep. then goes down with what looks like cramps for a play, and Fitzgerald has to switch over and wide open in the middle of the field for a crossing touchdown. Yep, but a Michigan State's four chunk plays on the ground, so runs of ten yards or more. Half of them were just from Lewerke, and <laughs> both of them came in the last ten minutes of the game. That's not great. <laughs> it, you kind of see it. Like, just even if you're not intensely watching the game as much as we are, you just see defense not put pressure on people. Quarterbacks have been able to sit back for most of the season and pick them apart. Mm-hmm. And then when they do try to run on IU, don't wrap up. Even though their tackling was, in my mind, fine this game. Yeah, it wasn't egregious. They weren't flopping around out there. But still just can't contain the offenses. Did, but there was... Um... I remember in the second quarter, it was the drive, Michigan State's second-to-last drive. Okay. So there was about three minutes left. It was a third and eight. Indiana rushes three and drops Michael Ziemba back as a quarterback spy. Jerome Johnson breaks through the pressure, has a hand on Lewerke's shoulder pad, but can't wrap him up. So Lewerke scrambles out of the pocket. Ziemba thought that Johnson was going to get him, so he, he kind of dropped back more in coverage, and that— Mental assumption left him too far behind Lewerke, so he didn't catch up to him until he picked up nine yards and stepped out of bounds for the first down. Just simple plays like that is a lack of awareness, really, mm-hmm. or I guess lack of um, 
you can't assume anything type of thing to where that cost Michigan, Indiana getting them off the field and it cost them field position because even though they forced the Spartans to punt on that next set of downs. They gave up on that drive on offense. That was, then they just ran the ball three was times. the beginning of the uh, unraveling of the end of the first half. That cost them a touchdown. So in a way, you don't want to say that play directly cost them a touchdown, but there's an alternate reality where either Johnson makes that play or Ziemba stays disciplined as the spy and keeps bring up a first down. And maybe Indiana does enough with better field position to be able to at least run the clock out. And that, and that's the thing. There's so many of those what-ifs in right. this game. The biggest one obviously being the punt return. The punt return. And then also, we haven't addressed it yet, Lewerke's final positive run of the day where Ball tackles him at the one-yard line. And, and Any thoughts if, on that play? In my mind... I think he was getting out of bounds anyway. Just rewatching it, it's a close. They're going towards the corner no matter what because he turned away to, from it, ball. It, it certainly turns like he, toward the sideline. To me, He's, it looks like, yeah. and with Lewerke being a senior, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. As a senior quarterback, he's got to be a smart guy. But there's also that he, chance that ball's able to like knock him into the end zone, not out of bounds, into the end zone. My, my argument on this one's changed. Because originally I was in the stance of you got to just let him walk into the end zone. But after watching the replay... He's going to the sideline. He's, he, he's, he's getting out of bounds. I don't think he's going to the sideline. I think he's diving as Ball's getting to him anyways. So I think what Ball needs to do, he basically needs to almost catch him and toss him into the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying literally asking do for that, a lot, but, yeah, yeah. That's, that's asking for a lot when you're moving full speed yeah, trying but, to bring but, but someone you know down. I'm saying. you, you got to yeah. kind of grab onto him and just wrap him and throw him in. Type of thing, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I, think that I, game that plays I, that. I yeah. personally don't think that plays as critical as so many people have made it sound. Because in my mind, he's either getting out of bounds, or if anything, getting down short. I think there's a very low chance Marcelino is able to wrap him up and throw him into the end zone, moving that quickly laterally. That's him changing direction after wrapping up. Even just pile driving him into the end zone might be a more likely way to do it. I, I think there is a way for him to to do it. I just he didn't try any of that. He just kind of yeah. went up there and tackled it. And it's hard on a situation like that to have a guy do something different than what he's been trained to do for twenty plus years. And it, it's a tough situation. Yeah. And of course, he's probably protecting his teammate and saying the right thing. But Mullen said after the game that the game plan, no matter what, was keep him out of the end zone and trust the defense. So even if Marcelino, if that was actually the instructions, a little yeah, bit of a but question, also, but I, I don't think that's the critical play. If and once if, he's there, you're, you're getting a, t- you're a touchdown on field goal. Womack, you're not telling them— It's far side of the field, though. Hold on, hold on, though. You're missing my point. Okay. When they go out for the drive, you're not telling them let them score if oh, they get their close. Not. It took them two plays to get. There was one play between the start of the drive and working and ball meeting in the end zone. There's not enough time for a coach to relay that change of message. Oh, of course Plus, not. Even no. if there was, you're not doing it when they're on like the thirty yard line. Hmm. From thirty, from thirty, you maybe start thinking about it, just because that's get you get five ten yards. That's mostly a gimme in, in college football. I don't know, man. Mac, that, that's the other thing, though, that, that's that been 
overstated like uh, if they were where they at where they were before the little working run they would have been able to hit the field goal anyways Matt Coughlin has not been good that's this right. year, that he is missed from forty three. He missed from forty three to start the game. The one he made from forty four was pretty ugly. Yeah. And going into the game, he had missed four out of his last six kicks, including shanking the game winning field goal against or the game tying field goal against Arizona State. Obligatory shankopotamus. Yeah. So this kind of goes. This also kind of goes back to the conversation me and you had right after the game, Caleb. Of I talked about the decision to call the timeout with fifty two seconds left and not try to ice the kicker. And you and I know it's an extra point. It's an easy field goal, and it probably doesn't do anything. But when you have a guy who just missed a game-winning kick two weeks ago, has really struggled at place kicking. I think you've got to give him as much time to possibly think about it as possible, and save that timeout to where hey, at least you know you're doing something. I get it. At that point, it's basically a lost cause, but it's throwing every last bullet and not wasting it. I, I'm indifferent towards that. I think that it would have been a waste no matter what. Timeout, at least in my mind, I can kind of see what timeout's doing. Mm-hmm. You hope there's a fumble on a snap or something, your team can hop on it, and you have a little bit of time left if you're hoping for Even if, if you're that icing. happens, though, you're, on, you're, you're inside your own five with no. 50 seconds left of no timeouts. But in college football, that's a lot of time. You're not... You're not... Especially with the way the last offensive drive went, where they were able to get all these penalties. That's a lot of time, Jeff. I don't see them trying to score in that situation. I, I, I see them trying to get... I see them, I look at them trying to get two first downs before they give up on it. I, I look at them saying, yes, the O-line had been better than what they'd been previously throughout the season before then, but I see it more as we're we're facing one of the best defensive fronts in the country... We're on our own five. We have a redshirt freshman quarterback. <laughs> that's why I'm not. That's why I'm not running it. Steve got stuffed multiple times in the backfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm, dealing I'm nervous. And if they get the ball in that situation, I'm doing exactly what they did at the end of the first half with 28 seconds left on the 25. I am kneeling it and being happy. I think in that type of scenario, you, you got you, you, you use the momentum, all, it, you go for it. You use the momentum in overtime. Now, now, if they were in a plus yardage situation, I would disagree. But to think. Okay, we want to go 95 yards and 50 seconds out of timeout in college football. The way IU is throwing the ball that game, I trust Maybe Pax. Maybe no. they consider if they're trailing by more than seven. No, I'm saying in this situation, be a tie they, game. They'd have been tied. To where we're saying... Instead of the field goal that Caleb, gave him the initial lead. Caleb's saying Tom Allen calls a timeout with 52 seconds left. Michigan State somehow is able to fumble even though it's... Just them, a box snap and, somewhere. Hold on. Even though it's them kneeling the ball in victory formation, and there's quite literally four people within five <laughs> yards of the ball. <laughs> These are all so, hypotheticals. Just, just somehow Indiana comes up with the ball. In that scenario, I'm granting him all of that, which inexplicably <laughs> is a lot less likely than the dude just shaking an extra point. <laughs> he was shaking it from literally... T- What's that, 17 yards out? That's my point, no, I would I would take those odds over that. I'm pretty sure I can make a 17-yarder. Caleb, I'm granting you all of that. They would still need to go 95 yards in 50 seconds I say without you, any timeout. I say you play for a wild thing happening instead of missing that field goal. In my opinion. This is a stupid argument. <laughs> but honestly, I think this is the best radio we've done on this podcast. I, 
I'm I'm entertained right now. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you. It's entertaining. It's a complete ludicrous argument that is completely hypothetical. If we're exactly. going to have hypothetical arguments, the argument should be how much does Indiana win by if there's no penalty on the Wapfillier punt return. That's the hypothetical argument we should be having. In this in this alternate universe where Wapfillier gets Indiana to start on their own 30, or on the Michigan State 30, rather, you have all the momentum. You're up a touchdown. You have Mike Penance, who is torching the Michigan State defense. What is the story, not just in Bloomington, but in nationally, if Indiana wins that game? Because this is this is what annoyed me with my column. I wanted to write about Mike Penix. I think I had a quarter. I think I had a, a paragraph in the column you, talking about how mad it. I was, and I couldn't. You write said about this Mike isn't Penix. what the column was supposed to yes. be about. The the story of this game should be Mike Penix, not. Whether or not Tom Allen should have used this timeout with 52 seconds left or five seconds left. Dude, that probably still is not the story of the game, but <laughs> well, I think you might have yeah. missed the mark then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but but the, the story ended up being mental, mental mistakes yep. and questionable decisions. Uh, that, that's fair, right? Yeah. But M- Penix was a big deal because, Jess, you Penix saw— was phenomenal, you, man. For anyone who was thinking— Maybe Ramsey should be the starter. I don't know. But that's uh, yeah, speaking. that just got yeah, thrown um, out back. What's that? That and both shot. quarterbacks are gonna play well. Uh, <laughs> well, at the time I said that because I was thinking maybe his injury was gonna you know have him acting up or I don't know. But he he was not bothered by the injury at and all. To be fair to Will, even the, in that crazy to Will play, and me and you both laughed at him. Literally, Allen said that unprompted on Thursday. That that was a legit possibility they were thinking about going into the game. Thank yeah. goodness that kind of didn't happen for IU because <laughs> uh, the, the, all their success came on downfield passing. Yeah, the short passing was less like it wasn't needed, and that's all you're getting from Ramsey. Well, here's the, here's the thing: in, the best thing Indiana did in this game was their short passing game, getting it to Wapfillier, Donovan Hill in space. And C.V. Scott occasionally also also them to pick up yards after catch. The difference between Ramsey and Penix is that Penix also beat them with some deep balls, which meant they couldn't just solely focus on the short passing game. It was able to keep the Michigan State offense or defense rather off balance, even though Indiana didn't rush rush for a crap ton of yards. Oh, they didn't rush that much at all. When, when, they they ran they did, 28 times. Yeah, when they did run the ball, though, it was more effective than what I thought it was going to be. All things considered. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah, three point seven yards no, average. Not that it was great, but he had it, he, he had, had a couple some good runs. big chunk plays, and that set number could have been a lot better if on Just, that nineteen yard run. He didn't trip over himself. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that that one's probably gone for at least thirty, maybe to the house. Yes, but there's safety there. But there's um, so many positives to take away from the Indiana offense, and especially the guy behind center, Michael Penix. I think the, one of the biggest things we're not talking about with the offense right now. Is Matt Bedford? Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt Bedford, uh, I had zero expectations that he was even going to start. I was, because they were back and forth throughout the week about who would start, how much would Bedford play. He got to start and played he, every snap. Played every played snap. Every court, snap. Court, uh, no so, one saw it coming. Yeah, according not, to Allen, which to I Allen, can't take my word anymore. Well, separate <laughs> huh. subject. Uh, but. As we know it right now, he played every snap, and he looked good. I don't remember any times him just getting steamrolled, and like you would yeah. probably expect out of a true freshman 
Alan said he did make a few mistakes that any other freshman could easily make in a situation like that, but props to him. I mean, against lining up against Michigan State's defense. That's yeah, so you're replacing a four-year starter in Koi Kronk, who more than likely will be able to play at the next level, depending on how he comes back from injury, and against a top-five uh, total defense at the time, they were S&P Plus number one defense, and the offensive line holds up Probably the best it's done all year against I real competition. Because I don't count EIU or UConn as we've talked about right, in this it was podcast. Easily the best. Best, best performance out of them performance. this season yet. There, there's just so many encouraging things from the Indiana offense, and the question is, moving forward the rest of the season, is can the defense catch up? And they got. I guess the other question is, would they even need to catch up? That's what I was just thinking. I'm trying to think of any team. That's super urgent that the, they need to be able to the issue, shut down. The issue is more they're going to face offenses that are better than Michigan State's. And that's not... But they're also face defenses that are much worse. Yes. And that evens out. Because yes. if that offense plays like they did against Michigan State, against of Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, even a Michigan whose defense has not looked great this year, they are pushing 40. And I'd feel confident with that projection. Isn't it encouraging to see a great offensive performance and a bad defensive performance combined for an almost top 25 win? I don't know if that's encouraging because before Tom Allen came here, this was basically week in and week out for Indiana football. Mm. They lost to Michigan in 2013, 63-47. And it was 52-47 with about five minutes left. (laughs) So that I would... They blew a fifty-two to twenty-seven lead to Rutgers in twenty fifteen. So it happens. <laughs> well, since we're on the bye week, Jack, let's when we uh, don't have anything. Honestly, we don't have enough time to do this. Well, let's get a quick one, just real quick. <laughs> I looking get... forward, just right. real quick, looking at the schedule because we're on a bye week. There's nothing preview. Let's wrap it up this way. Where do you think IU finishes this year? Just that, that's kind of the question I want to ask. Is I had them at five and seven preseason. You guys both had them at six and six. Yep. Right now, just looking at their schedule, I mean, they're not going to beat Penn State at Penn State, more than likely. That's the only one I and see that I'm like, cross it off. I would still say they're not going to beat Michigan, but I wouldn't be shocked if I'd they won it. That's more likely, upset. More uh, other, likely than Penn State. That, that was my upset pick of the year, though, so State. I have to stay with Michigan. But other than those two, I mean, Rutgers is terrible. Maryland was— And they have big, a new head coach yes. coming next week. Maryland was exposed— Purdue's broken. Northwestern's terrible. They have four. And Nebraska very, is very and, uninspired. And Nebraska is uninspired also. They have five very winnable games. And for all those people at home, nine Windiana is still very much alive with one upset. Oh <laughs> it might need to be downgraded. But, but we might need to be looking at nine Windiana as a with a bowl win. If, but if there's it's one still thing, alive. If there's one thing we know about IU football, it's that they don't always win all the games they're supposed to. Disappointment, but where where would you guys expect? I think six is the bottom line. If they're not at six at if this point, if, if everything keeps up, yeah. then yeah, bare minimum six. Yeah. But I have them at seven and five now. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with the eight because eight before the, regular season, because I don't see them wow. losing. I think they'll beat Michigan. I honestly do. Because I've watched the Michigan. A lot can happen between now and then, you know. Well, I yep. can, but I'm going to give trust in them, but. I'm just going to quick echo uh, Mr. Cameron Drummond from last year. Oh, boy. If IU does not get to that six-win mark, Allen's going to be gone. 
with this type of schedule ahead of them and this t- and with how the offenses looked, I don't think Allen could survive not making a bowl game this year. And I'll, we can end it at that, Jack, because I know you want you want to say something. Because I, thanks for tuning into the IDS podcast. He's Caleb Goffman, also Will Coleman. I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.